to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. This week, I'm with Paul from Varmints, and we're not eating bugs. (laughs) (laughs) Not this time. (laughs) Which is good, because that's a visual thing, and this is an audio medium, so it wouldn't really... uh, wouldn't translate very well. I could just I could just eat plastic wrappers off of candy and tell you that it was bugs and you'd believe it. So it yeah. probably would sound more buggy. Probably. <laughs> yeah. No, not this time. No, no bug eating until there's a very good reason to be eating bugs. I, I still like. We can do a ranking system of all the bugs. Find some really unique bugs. Yeah. I think we'll do to jungle gyms. They have some. We'll do like we do on our on our. Uh, show and just rank it on a scale of one to ten and i guarantee you none of them will be above like a two (laughs) i don't know i think jungle gyms has all of them now in suckers oh that doesn't count (laughs) like a scorpion last time i was there it was like a scorpion sucker they did have some of the bagged ones but yeah no that doesn't count so candy bugs don't count nah not to me (laughs) it's either the whole bug or go home i'm hardcore like that (laughs) you guys should send paul pictures of you guys eating bugs Please, <laughs> please do that. Varmintspodcast at gmail.com. I welcome that. <laughs> it's probably like the least weird thing you can ask someone to send you, like pictures of that won't go bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what Kate asked people to send her once, and I'm just like, that's a bag of worms. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know if she knew what she was uh, stepping in with that one. Kate. Yeah. Hi, Kate. Um, hi, Kate. <laughs> We've already talked about you off, off mic. Now we, we're talking about you on mic. So you've gotten your two shout outs. Yes. We, Kate, we will try to work in some Pride and Prejudice uh, BBC version references. I can't, I mean, I might try to shoehorn one or two in. I can't, I can't promise you anything. So, but hi, Kate. Kate yeah, hosted I, the uh, Ignorance Was Bliss podcast that everybody should be listening to because it's awesome. It's Amazing. Okay, since I'm going first, I'm going to drink sangria while we do this because we're going to España. Yay. <laughs> we're going to talk about not one of the not great things about Spain. We're going to go with one of them because there are a couple. We're going to talk about... <laughs> I live there. I know about them. It's fine. <laughs> the Festival of San Fermín, which is a week-long historical festival held annually in Pamplona, Navarra. Spain, so in northern Spain. And most people probably only know one part of this festival. And Paul, do you you know this part? The running of the bulls. Exactly. Yes. I feel like I should have some guitar music going on in the background that <laughs> That was really that good actually. Flamenco guitar going on. I have a guitar here somewhere. I don't know how to play that music though. Also, if you go to Spain, go to a flamenco show. They're amazing and really intense. Yeah, I, I want to. Especially if you're in the southern portion of Spain, because you can probably go into, like in Granada, they have them in cave, like uh, apartments. Mm-hmm. So it's the real traditional way of seeing flamenco. That's cool. All the, all the the sounds echo and it's really cool, especially if it's in the summer, because it's just hot all the time. <laughs> so the celebrations actually are coming up. I don't know. When we're recording it, it's the beginning of June, the 6th of July on at noon. So it starts with a pyrotechnic display, as everyone needs. Um, they call it Tupanazo. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to speak some Basque. So I'm sorry, Tupanazo, uh, because there's a there's an X in there for some reason. Okay, sure. Why not? Because Spanish. Yeah. And I'm going to get the singing portion of this out of the way early on, because so we start with fireworks and pyrotechnics. Of course. And then end with everyone gathered in the Plaza del Ayuntamiento to sing. Um, and they sing this throughout, but the song Pobre de Mi. So it goes, Pobre de Mi, Pobre de Mi, que se han acabado las festivas de San Fermín. So it's Poor Me, Poor Me, for the festival of San Fermín has come to an end. But it just began, right? And they they start singing that right away? They sing it throughout because they like to party, and so like at the night at the end of the fest, like the nightly festivities, they'll sing it oh, and okay. really the end too. So it's a it's a full full time. It's a full week long. And if I, if you're in Spain during the summer, there's ferias and festivals. 
all the time. It just depends which city you're in. Got it. So then we have the Raid Ryu, a mass activity on July 6th. It's when members of the city council prayed from City Hall to a nearby chapel dedicated to San Fermin, who is uh, Saint Fermin, with participants to dancing to the Estrain Waltz along the way. But it gets a little problematic because they've had to basically stop doing this or change how they do it because every time they restore it, like in 1996 and 2012, participation of the city council got, aren't really allowed to be there because there's violent clashes with participants because remember, we're near Basque and we have ETA, the um, independent, we're going to call it an independence movement or terrorist groups as some like to <laughs> say. <laughs> uh, it they're around there. So, you know, you have really high political tension and then all of your city government is parading and waltzing through the street. Right. And right. they would make it take like five hours. Yeah. And it's not that far. And I'm sure there's no small amount of alcohol being consumed during this whole thing. No, probably not a drop. Not a... <laughs> <laughs> so the really big day of the festival is the next day. Thousands of people accompany the 15th century statue of St. Fermin through the old part of Pamplona. And then they follow it with El Estreño, or The Roar, where it's a 50-year-old tradition. And I really, really like this one. Everyone gathers together at 11.59 p.m. at the town hall and make as much noise as they can for several hours, uh, mainly with drums and bowls and whistles and all the other objects. So the whole city gets together and just, you know bangs on drums and screams and makes Ah, <laughs> uh, so that is what is called in my world a nightmare because i my brain shuts down at 9 30 p.m i don't <laughs> like crowds and that is just way too loud for that time of night i'm a really boring guy courtney uh yeah that was the fun thing about scheduling this you're like um what do you count as late <laughs> like yeah. I don't know when I'm done with work. It's like, I got the pickleball tournament tomorrow. <laughs> See, I normally just get woken up by a child screaming. Oh, that's... Not in my apartment. The one next door. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's his favorite thing to do. So I get it. Like, yeah, waking up and you're just like, oh, I need to go to sleep now because I got to be up early. Oh. So every day during the morning, there's a parade of the Gigantes y Caballesos. Okay. which is giants and the big heads. Okay. And I love the big heads because um, they're hilarious to see, first of all. They are giant. They look like giant paper mache heads, and they are of different types. Normally, they're different um, types of people in society. So there's like a flamenco dancer, a matador, like politician, all that. And they have the shoulders done too. And you just see the straps down there because they weigh so much. And the way the person who's wearing it, they can't really see because where the the mouth is, that's where their eyes are. But they're so large that you can't see it. But they have to hold, use their hand to hold the mouth to keep it upright. Oh, my goodness. Because it's so heavy. And they're guided around. But the fe the parade I saw with uh, uh, Caballeso, uh, they were beating kids, which traditionally were like, I think like sheep's bladders from like, I, from like, I guess from when they slaughter the sheeps and they're just like okay and they would blow them up to be like look like whoopee cushions oh good lord and then they beat children with them that why <laughs> look See? i understand old traditions but that is just bizarre now they're not, they're not sheep's bladders and if i can find it i had a video <laughs> of them just beat like three of them just wailing on a grown man <laughs> okay but you mean like just a gentle little bonk on the head not like full force beating the heck out of somebody with a with a balloon right um i mean they, this guy they went pretty hardcore i think they knew him i hope they knew him oh my gosh and then their like handler was like no you guys gotta go it, it's it's insane there there are more terrifying things about this celebration than i ever <laughs> thought and you're probably not done no. oh my goodness we haven't even gotten to the main event <laughs> or the saint <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'll just send you a picture of them. They look hilarious. Slightly terrifying. But the gigantes are actually more terrifying because they're like, they're probably 10 feet tall. And then I believe there's people underneath them or they pull them on wagons. And depending on where they are. And so their gigantes are eight gi giant figures built by 
Fadio Amoreda, a painter from Pamplona in 1860, and they represent four pairs of kings and queens from four different races and places, Europe, Asia, America, and Africa. The ones I saw were, because in Granada, it's Ferdinand and Isabella, and then the, the um, Boabdil and, and the Sultana, because, you know, Granada, the final, like, place where the Moors were in Spain. So, but... Those ones are more terrifying, I think, than the the um the giant heads, cause uh the giant heads they're like people clearly. Those ones are just huge and kind of terrifying because they're so tall. Sure. When you lived there, did it feel like you just constantly took Nyquil and Benadryl and went to sleep and just had those dreams? Because I there's no amount of drugs in the world that would make me come up with this stuff. Um, no, not really. The only time was when. I was, we were walking around the, like the main city in Granada, like Los Reyes Catholicos, because yeah, everything in that city is pretty much named after Isabel and Ferdinand. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we walked past the sex shop that was on the main street, and first of all, there's families out. It's like ten, eleven o'clock at night, and there's families out just walking around because it's actually cool, kind of cool out. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was a guy. They were like hitting people with like <laughs> like whips and stuff from the sex shop because they were trying to get people in. Just, wow. Off the street. Just right off the street. And then we wandered into a random uh, flamenco dress show, like fashion show, which was kind of cool. And it was just so bizarre being like 10, 11 o'clock at night. We're like, what is happening? But that wasn't, we were prepared for the parade. So they told us what was going on. We're like, oh, okay. And like, so everything was kind of put into context. But I'm sure if you just saw... um the gigantes or the cabazeos like you'd be like what is happening oh for sure i mean they have a good time in spain we'll go with that (laughs) yeah and it would be my luck that i took a vacation there at the beginning of july and all that stuff was going on just didn't know yeah let me just take an uber over to portugal where it's probably probably having stuff going on too oh (laughs) jeez you'd have to go in winter and even then who knows yeah um so on top of that, there are exhibitions and competitions of Basque rural sports every morning in the Plaza de los Freos. It's like the square closest to the city's citadel where they formerly, they were formerly held in the bullring. But I think that's kind of grown to be so popular that they can't hold other events there. Okay. So sports, Paul, get ready to figure out if you can do some of these. Stone lifting, wood cutting, hail bale lifting. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> And then we also have Jalali, which is the Tournament of San Fermin. And it's a, a variety of Basque Pelota, which is, I think, if I remember correctly from when I was watching one of those Travel Channel shows, it's like handball, but it looks like you can actually break your hand. Do they have those big scoops on their hands and they just whack the ball against a wall? No, I believe they don't have anything. Okay. Try Actually, no, it's more like playing racquetball, but without a racket, you're just using your hand. That is a better description. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think it was the Travel Channel show where the guy goes around and tries all the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, because I just saw them doing this. So I was like, what is <laughs> happening? And he was like, so I was like, do you break your, like, break your finger sometimes? He goes, yeah, but it's fine. <laughs> and you're just like, it's not fine. <laughs> Then again, I I played rugby, so I would probably be like, oh, yeah, you know, I think, actually, I have some fingers that are definitely not straight. Um, (laughs) Also, this is a big area where people like to bet. So if you're a better, this is your your area to watch the pelota. Okay, the what? Pelota. Oh, the pelota. Okay. Yeah. Your pronunciation is very good, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know what I'm talking about. You just sound like an NPR reporter that really nails the pronunciation and you just, you know, is this a white girl or is this a Spanish girl? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, it helps that I, I speak Spain Spanish. Okay. And I haven't hit anything that's more in my Andalusian Spanish comes out because that's a little different. <laughs> okay. Although I did have a teacher who was from Basque and participated in the Running of the Bulls. So we'll bring him up later, though. Uh, every afternoon from July 7th to the 14th, there is a bullfight, which the six bulls, which have been driven into the ring uh, during the running of the bulls that day, are killed. And it begins at 6 p.m. Ugh. And, I mean, bullfighting is intense. Oh, yeah. There is, there, there is the stabby portion. <laughs> the, legitimately stabbing them with 
there's well there's a small stabby portion and the big stabby portion okay <laughs> so, el so grande have, stabby and mas grande stabby grandissimo stabby there we go <laughs> so they have i'm trying to think of the best way to describe them they are like pointy sticks that are like I believe probably have metal tips and they're decorated. They're the they're the ones you always see that are very like colorful. Sure. And they'll go. That's what like it, it's like it's more of a group activity and then it becomes a solo activity with the grands grandissimo stabbies. Yeah. Um, they look like the fi- they look they look like the my um the Fisher Price my first javelins with like ribbons <laughs> on the end. I've seen them. They're horrible. This they're is horrible, where you're, this is where you're getting into horrible stuff. Yeah. So. And I don't mean to make light of it. And and people that are listening, I'm sorry. I know you're squeamish about animal abuse. And I, I've actually read on the internet people who were like, yeah, I listened to this horrible true crime episode about this serial killer who did this and that. But then he, like, you know, he murdered the dog and I had to turn it off. This I is- know people, people who don't watch Game of Thrones because they kill it. They, like, in the first season, first couple episodes, they kill a dog. They kill a direwolf. And they're like, I'm out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're that person... I don't want to tell you not to listen to this show because, you know, it's not my show, but you're going to you're going to start getting a little squeamish from here on out, I think. For a little bit and then we're going to go back to nicer things. So maybe just skip ahead until it's less animalness. Sure. Um, which I don't think is a word, but I'm going to make it a word. It's a word so, now. Yeah. Um yeah, so you have like the javelins and it's kind of a if I remember correctly, it's a three-step thing where they they'll do just you know, get the bull to run around with the um, flag. They do the javelin. And then, because they're just trying to, the thing is, they're trying to tire the bull out. Right. So by the time you get to the third one, where it's the, the, just the one matador, he has swords. Okay. Basically, if he is good at his job, they just kind of slit the throat and it's supposed to be quick. But mind you, the bull has already been stabbed. I believe they have like about six javelin, confetti javelins. Confetti and, uh, Javelins. That is my next band name. Thank you. <laughs> the question is, are they javelins with confetti or are they conf- uh, javelins made of confetti? <laughs> Who knows? Um, so the problem comes when they aren't very successful at that last portion. And that's when, you know, you see those images of bullfighters being gored. I will say the one thing I give for bullfighters they never blame the bull. Like what they get, if they get hurt, they're like, no, like he's doing his thing. Yeah. I chose to get in there. Cause I have read those stories where like you, you talk to the people where they, they've been seriously hurt and they're like, it's not the bull's fault. They never blame the bull. And I actually learned when I was there, I think it was the first time bulls are actually herd animals still too. So they're not violent. Right. In a herd. Like if they're together and they're like just in a field, they're not threatening, but if they're by themselves, that's when they kind of they freak out yeah yeah they miss their friends so at least the people that are participating know that the what the bull is doing is he's trying to gore them and kill them and stomp on them he's trying to survive okay they're trying to survive and put on a show which matadors are trained from a very young age which is kind of insane uh yeah you're like at six i'm going to be a matador okay here go off to matador school (laughs) like this is okay it's not okay it's not okay so there is a fifth bullfight with younger bulls and not fully trained bullfighters um so it's kind of they've been training but they're not bull matadors yet and the sixth features bullfighters on a horse and it's called bejoneo on top of this every night is concluded with fireworks at 11 o'clock at the citadel park paul you would not do well in spain they are very much long days Sure. I've seen people coming home from a night out at like 8 a.m. And I was like, I'm not about this life. (laughs) First of all, that's a long night. And I like to go see places. So you have to wake up early to catch the bus. And these, okay, so the fireworks, this is my favorite thing. I think they've been known to um, occur in San Fermin as far back as 1595. Wow. I know, right? That's crazy. So... We know the most famous event is Enciero, or the running of the bulls. It's at 8 a.m. from the 7th to the 14th every morning. And Wait, this goes on for a week? Yeah, every day. I thought it was like one or two days. Like, you know, an afternoon thing. Ha ha, let's let's, let loose some bulls. Okay. 
you know, not, let's let's herd them up, you know, let's wrangle them up and and have some food and fireworks. This, this goes on every day for seven days. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah, it's basically how they get that day's bulls for the fighting to the bull ring. So let's back it up and figure out who is this San Fermin? Who is he? Why is he the co-patron of Navarre? So we're going back to the third century. Okay. <laughs> Way back. Fermin is said to be the son of a Roman senator, uh, like senatorial rank. So he, his father would have been in the Senate in Pamplona or around there, who converted to Christianity by St. Onatus, a disciple of St. Saturnius, because Roman stuff. Sure. Got to get good Roman names in there. He was baptized by uh, Saturnius, who in Navarre is known as St. Cernin, at the spot which is now known as the small well of St. Cernin. So he must have had a big well, but this is just a small one. Fermin was ordained a priest in uh, Toulouse and then returned to Pamplona as his first bishop. So you have a French priest coming back to Spain, who is technically probably Roman. All a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Ancient history. If it's Rome, everyone's Roman-ish. Mm-hmm. So on a preaching voyage, Fermin was beheaded in Amiens, France, and is now considered a martyr of the Catholic Church. Okay. It was believed he died uh, September 25th, 303 AD. Uh, there is no written veneration of the saint in Pamplona until the 12th century. So... Hmm. We're going to figure out, like, how, okay, we have San Fermin related to Pamplona. How do we get this to running of the bulls? Right. St. Saturnius was murdered, but the form of murder was gruesome, and it connects to the running of the bulls. Okay. So, queasiness factor is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Saturnius's feet were tied to a bull, and the bull was whipped so it would run through the streets, dragging Saturnius to his death. Oh, that's a bad way to go. Yeah. Um, One, because is it a dirt street? Is it a cobblestone street? That's going to depend how long, when you're getting dragged along, what's in the street. Sure. Because as bad as cobblestones sound, it's kind of hard and it would break up your body and you're hoping like you get a good knock on the head and kind of out. Yeah. But if it's dirt, unless there's a rock or something, you could drag for like a while. Oh, yeah. So Fermin was named Saturnius's replacement as Bishop of Toulouse, where he also met his gruesome death. So... He basically was killed for trying to convert locals to Christianity. He was arrested and beheaded. And the men's deaths get mixed up. And so the folklore was like, oh, St. Fermin was marred by a bull. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. It's not a great connection, but it's kind of, you could see how these two men who were very close and they both were killed around the same time. Sure. Could blur into being one thing. They probably blurred them into one person for a while. Right. And it might be one of those historical things where it started out kind of tame where maybe one bull got killed, but then it turned into this this fever dream of two weeks of just, you know, glitter, glitter uh, jousting things. I forgot the name of them. Glitter javelins and drinking and big heads. <laughs> I'm picturing those. You remember it, like video games a while back where you could get big head mode like you could unlock that that's what i'm thinking yeah Yeah. it's not very far off okay (laughs) because good because that's what i'm picturing i don't know where my pictures are from there otherwise i'd pull it up so okay just having a saint isn't enough to have a festival there's a lot of saints there's a lot of defunct saints that were kind of ways to get people into the church but the festival is a combination of two different medieval events you have commercial secular fairs that were held at the beginning of summer because you know Yay, we survived winter. Let's get all these new things out, get food, see what's going on. Hopefully we can stock up before someone's going to attack us. So Mm. cattle merchants would come into the town with their animal. So you could kind of see how they're bringing cattle in. Sure. It would be brought into the bullfighting. Yeah, hero, kill this one. (laughs) Yeah, they were documented, uh, first documented in the 14th century. And then we have the religious ceremonies honoring St. San Fermin. On October 10th. But in 1591, they were transferred to July 7th to take place at the same time as the fair when the weather was better. Because <laughs> uh, Navarre is near the mountains. So, snow. And this is really considered when they combine them in uh, 1591. This is the beginning of San Fermines. The medieval uh, festival would include an opening speech, musicians, tournaments, theaters, bullfights dances, and even fireworks. So they still jam-packed a lot into that week. Bull running um, 
begins to appear in the 17th and 18th century. So it's a it's a long tradition. Yeah, that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Yeah. Sure. They chronicled with the presence of foreigners coming into there. And the really, the first concerns were raised about excessive drinking and dissolute behavior. So not running with the bulls, but really a lot of drunkenness and probably sex and bad, crazy things happening. Sure, because that's the worst that is going on there. Yeah. Finally, the Parade of Giants was created the mid in the mid-19th century. And so I like that they're like, we're going to create this. We're going to have the giants and the uh, Cavazeos come along in the mid-19th century. <laughs> and Pamplona's first official bullring was uh, constructed in 1844, which makes me question, if you're fighting bulls before this, what are you fighting them in? <laughs> and how are you watching this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So... Who's running these festivals? Because you have to remember about, I think he's 38 when Franco really starts to gain power and he's a big separatist and he's a, well, first of all, he's a major buzzkill <laughs> on a lot of things. <laughs> he wanted very traditional Castilian Spanish life, which means not Basque Spanish life. So thank you, Franco, for all the separatist movements being really angry. <laughs> that is a fair blame. Well, Spain, a lot of their festivals especially if you've ever seen like there's Semana Santa festivals there's a bunch of different like associations in uh Basque they have their penas which is a male recreation associated association it developed in the middle of the 19th century and they are there who they go and control the safety of the bull run and really are the ones partying a lot okay so they're like we're gonna make sure the running of the bulls is good and then we're gonna go drink (laughs) yeah wow in a 1910 article in a journal that was titled Man. 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 <laughs> oh, man. That's what I'm saying this whole time. <laughs> man, I cannot believe this. Yeah. A.J.N. Tremanine writes, quote, they were seen as symbols of virility and manhood, risking their lives in front of bull- the bulls, enduring long hours of heavy drinking, eating abundantly, dan- dancing endlessly, and not requiring sleep or rest, end quote. So... Basically, they knew how to have a good time, but they are the ones who um, brought about that traditional image you see of festival attire, you know, white pants, white shirt, red scarf, neckerchief, red scarf around the hips, white shoes, white and red shoes. Where where you find white and red shoes, I do not know. <laughs> seems very difficult, but they're really holding up all the, you know, pastoral and like parochial values. So they're trying to keep it this smaller, more local festival. Sure. The Panos really were against the arrival of tourists who would come to Pamplona during the 1960s who didn't follow the dress codes and they wore shorts. How dare they? (laughs) Backpack, long hair, or beards. So don't do that. You go. They would hurl epithets at the tourists and wear wigs to mock their appearance. Actually, they sound like they don't really do not have a great time. They're like, we're going to mock you. And we're going to, like, put on wigs and pretend to be you. Because <laughs> Spain isn't about those shorts. It's hot there, but no one really wears shorts except for children. Fun fact. <laughs> they know you're American if you're wearing shorts. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Good to know for whenever I don't visit there ever. <laughs> so, really, the running of the bulls was uh, male only. Uh, and they really tried to epitomize the um, ideals of machissimo, so being super manly and all the patriarchy things. Sure. Spanish bro dude. Dude bro. Oh boy. Okay, so most of the youth who were participating in the festivals saved as much money, really around 50 pesetas, which was the minimum to watch the running of the bulls, have a snack and wine, eat lunch, dinner out, eat churros with brandy a couple times each day. And I'm like, I've never had churros and brandy, but... I would try it. Sure, that sounds, that sounds nice. I mean, it's so, that actually sounds lighter than churros and chocolate, because that's basically just melted like dark chocolate. It's really, you just eat it and then take a nap. They probably make really good churros, too. They're so good. I mean, that's like, there's certain foods I miss, and that's one of them, is churros. Sure. You split them with friends, that's breakfast. Churros are a breakfast thing, guys. They know how to live. Yeah, that is that is living your best life. So... After the religious functions, the groups would, um, formed by the authorities in the village, they would come back home of the town about 90, 
minutes after leaving. So they'd go out, they'd be like religious things. They'd be like, okay, we're going to leave town. And then they come back to have a good time. <laughs> it was really, they were waiting on the bulls. So how did we get to the idea of uh, Pamplona being the, you know, in our, in our minds, you know, when you think of Pamplona, you think of the running of the bulls. Who did that? Our good American friend, Ernest Hemingway. Oh, yeah, that's right. He loved that stuff. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, he wrote a really, a lot about Spain. He lived there for a while. And in The Sun Also Rises, he wrote about the running of the bulls. On top of that, he was also a journalist. He visited first in 1923 and then returned a lot until 1959. So about 20 plus years. He was fond of bull runs, bull fighting. He never participated. And... You know, I'm sure there's an Ernest Hemingway tour in Pamplona. He was, uh, <laughs> an, <laughs> Ernest Hemingway got around in many ways. Another famous American author, James Meichner, also wrote extensively about the festival and bull writings um, in his nonfiction book, Iberica. He explained the art and business of bullfightings with a tremendous gracia explaining, like he just, romanticizes it let's put it that way so let's get to the main event the bullfighting or the bull run so it's pretty much the same technique that they've always used they're just trying to get bulls from the corrals outside the city into the ring basically that's all el Encierto is except there are people there yes people who are who people who are purposefully putting themselves in the way of a angry running bull yes not just bulls but we'll get to that Oh, boy. <laughs> so there are six bulls, and they go from Los Corredios de Santo Domingo across the square with the same name. They continue up the street, bearing on to Calle de los Mercades from the Plaza Concesadorials, sweeping right onto Calle de las Dafereas to the final charge to the ring. And I will say, from what I've read, they have been making attempts to make it safer. So How? With, like, guardrails and stuff? I mean, there's always been railings, but just the timing of it and stuff when the bulls start and the people start. So the runners known as the mozos, the brave, the foolish. That's the translation. I can I can get behind that. That tracks. The goal is to keep close, but not too close. <laughs> so they run a total of 825 meters. Don't ask me to translate that. And it lasts a little more than three minutes. Huh. I'm sorry. I could almost die in three minutes. No, oh, thank yeah. you. Three minutes is plenty of time to get crushed by a bull. Which is actually not the only way you can die. Oh, but boy. we'll get to that. So they set off a rocket at 8 a.m. to alert the runners that the corral gate has been open. A second rocket signals that all six bulls have started running. The third and fourth rockets uh, are signals that all of the herd have entered the bull ring and the corral, respectively, marking the end of the event. So they're basically using rockets to tell you things, which makes sense. They also have, so you have the six bulls and six steers that run with them, and then three more steers that follow the herd to encourage any reluctant bulls. Who figured that out? This is the sweet number of steers to do this. Oh, man. People who know how to handle bulls and steers i suppose yeah yeah so they have the steers who run the route daily so they're the same steers every day but still weird the average herd of uh, speed of the herd is 24 kilometers per hour or 15 miles per hour so start running guys if you're going to do this <laughs> so the safety issue they don't permit runners within the first 50 meters of the ensayero which is an uphill grade where bulls run faster which i'm like wait bulls run faster uphill this is terrifying why has no one informed me of this <laughs> don't you think about that you're like because really none of this harms the bulls it just freaks them out yeah. which is not great but bulls run fast uphill why aren't we telling people that doesn't phys physically that doesn't make any sense i think it's just because when they're starting they're scared like they get scared and they just burst out sure they open the gates and they're like scared and they run faster right but again in this situation why why are we doing this who figured it out and uh this this means we should just stop this oh yeah for sure so 
let's get to injuries, fatalities, and medical attention. That's got to happen every year. Yep. Every year between 50 to 100 people are injured during the event. So, and this is what I kind of love. There's a whole set of medical people who volunteer to be there at various points. So if you get hurt, there is a better chance of you surviving. Okay. One, it's weird that this has to happen. Two, imagine taking off work and they're like, what are you going to do? I'm going to go be a nurse at the running of the bulls. Like, (laughs) you just, it's one of those things you just don't think about. And you're like, you think, oh yeah, a festival, they should have, you know, medical staff, but they have to have so much along the route to protect people. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Because you think about it, it's 800, over 800 meters long. So you have to have them strategically placed. So no matter what, you're okay. And on either side, because think about it, you're not going to run across a path with like running bulls to help someone. No. Down the other side. So in 2013, 50 people were taken by ambulance to Pamplona's hospital. And this was a doubling of 2012. Boring, much less common, but is potentially life-threatening. In 2013, six participants were gored along the festival route. In 2012, only four runners were injured with by the horns of the bulls with the exact same number of people gored in 2011. So they're tracking this nine in 2010, 10 in 2009. Um, but in 2009, someone was killed. That's a surprisingly low death rate. The, the death rate for this is shockingly low. I think the injuries are very high, but the death rate are very low because uh, there's really only two ways yeah. To, yeah. to die. There's goring. And then there is um, basically crushing. So major risk is falling and piling up a monton at the entrance of the bull ring, which is a funnel. So that's good. Yeah, that's a good design. Yeah. In such cases, um, injuries come from both asphyxia and contusions in the piles as, uh, and goring if the bull crushes in, crashes into that pile. So remember, okay, say a bunch of people fall, you have to get back up. Because there's bulls running. It's the only way they can go. Yeah. You're, yeah. Oof. This blocking has occurred at least 10 times in history. It, the last one occurring in 2013, the first one back in 1878. A runner died of suffocation in one pileup in 1977. This is a horrible death. Oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. Since record keeping began in uh, 1910, 15 people have been killed, most due to being gored. And we're going to go over each of them. So they have 16 sanitary stations every 50 meters on average, each one with at least a physician and a nurse along with personnel. There are about 200 volunteers, mainly from the Red Cross, and around 20 ambulances. So that's more than a little over one ambulance per station. So Pamplona is like, this is happening. Y'all going to keep showing up. Everyone else has to keep showing up. We're going to at least try to keep everyone safe, relatively safe and alive. So they've made it possible to have a gored person stabilized and taken to the hospital in less than 10 minutes, which is insane when you think about it with the number of people that are there. Yeah. And these are all volunteers, these medical, the medical staff. I believe so. Yeah, because that's a lot of filling the boot at intersections to pay those guys. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I remember being told for San Fermines, you need to have a hotel probably booked six months in advance, at least. Otherwise, you are sleeping on the streets. Oh. And people do that. Like, it's insane. Oh, this whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. And just to think about the bulls aren't prepared and they're getting freaked out because then there's people up in balconies and cheering and watching and... but. Let's name the 15 people who have lost their lives since they've started recording. So who knows how many have died before that. We have in 1924, Esteban Guillermo. He was 22. He died of goring. In 1927, we have Santiago Lufilla. He was 34. He also died of goring. In 1935, Gonzalo Busari. He died of goring. He was actually from Mexico. Uh, 1947, Casimiro Herrera, he was 37. He also died of goring. 1947, we also had Julian Zabalizia, 23, died of goring. 1961, Vincent Irozola, 32, died of goring. I'm seeing a trend here. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Um, Not a good trend. No. No. 1969, Hilario Pardillo, 45, died of goring. 1974, 
Juan Ignacio Arezzo, 18, died of goring, 1975, Gregorio Goris, 41, died of goring, 1977, Jose Joaquin Espacea, 17, died of suffocation in a pileup, 1980, Jose Antonio Sanchez, 26, died of goring, 1980, Vicente Risco, 29, died from being hit by a bull. Ooh. It just says hit. I'm assuming by a bull. 1995, Matthew Peter Tazio, 22, from Illinois, died of goring. 2003, Fermin Exabiero, 62, died by hit by horn, so he got hit by a bull's horn. 2009, Daniel Jimenio Romero, 27, died by goring. So those are the 15. Most of them are from Navarre, Spain, and most of them are younger, but still... That seems a bit too much. That's a bit too much. And I think I have the solution. I think I have the answer. I'll, yeah, I'll provide some alternatives too. Yeah. Do you want to know what the answer is? Don't have it. No. Well, other than don't have it, if you have to have it, I think maybe you have to like cut the pointy bits off of the horns or at least like put pieces of pool noodle <laughs> on the pointy parts. That the might be safer. Idea yeah, the pool noodle idea. Great. It doesn't hurt the bowl. Just probably don't do red ones. <laughs> I think, aren't they colorblind where they can kind of only see red? I That's what I've heard, but I don't know if that's true or not. So the opposition, and this is kind of also opposition to bullfighting in general in Spain. They argue that the bulls are mentally injured by the harassment and, vo- and, and voicing for both participants and spectators. Like some of the animals may die because of stress. Um, and if they are roped or have flares... In their horns because not in this one but some of the other ones they attach like fireworks to them and i'm like why why are we doing this it's already very extreme you're like let's add fire to this and some groups claim that workers use electric prods and sharp sticks to agitate the bulls before releasing them for the race so basically they think they get them all amped up through pain yeah the the takeaway for this whole thing is that spain invented extra i mean yeah it's a, like every, I feel like Europe just invented extra and it's like just which version of extra would you like? Because I would say France is pretty extra. So is Italy. <laughs> but yeah, Spain definitely invented a crazy version of extra. And the same groups also protest the widespread deaths of the bulls after the race, races during the bullfights. One thing I had found out was after, after the bull is dead, they do utilize all of the meat and components of the bull and use it. for the bullfighter gets a certain piece and I believe if I remember correctly they donate some of it for people who less fortunate and then they sell some of it so okay well I I don't like how they got there but I'm glad they're you know I'm glad they're doing something honorable with the animal yeah if they just got rid of the bull after that that like didn't you utilize it you're kind of like you just killed an animal for no purpose yeah yeah the the road from point a to point b is a little sketchy. Yeah, but the festivities of the of the Encierro and all of it is still popular in the villages. So it has ground level support from locals. Many animal rights activists obviously oppose, including PETA. Ah, please don't get me started on PETA. They don't like PETA, but they did create an alternative called the running of the nudes, <laughs> which is kind of it's two days before the beginnings of San Fermi. You they march naked. They do a lot of things naked. Yeah. Uh, they protest the festival and, you know, as well. Interestingly, in 2010, Catalonia, the autonomous region in northeast Spain, it's a big powerhouse, them and class, um, Navarra, very big industrial powerhouses in Spain, banned bullfighting. Good. Polling showed that 60% of Spaniards said they didn't like bullfighting, but I just love this. said they opposed the ban because it was a rejection of Spanish tradition. Wow. So they don't like it, but they're like, but don't tell us what to do with our tradition. (laughs) In 2006, Spain's constitutional court overturned the ban on bullfighting, declaring it unconstitutional. Interesting enough, when Catalonia was trying to become independent yet again. So that seems like a power move. On top of it, within Spain, there's a radical wing of anti-bullfighting movements that has begun to stage more confrontational demonstrations to try to gain attention. Um, Two groups, Equano Animal and Igualidad Animal, have invaded Spanish bull rings for the first time in a new tactic, which they intend to repeat throughout the bullfighting season, so the summer, 
instead of just protesting outside. So they're not just putting them, like, the bull in danger, they're putting themselves and the matadors in danger and everyone who, like, it's so dumb. Don't jump in the ring, then. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all, every bit of this is dumb. This was a dumb idea from start to finish. I never found out how they started this, and I, I, I feel like it was just, it started with some guy fighting a bull and looking cool, <laughs> and then it got way out of hand, <laughs> which is how I feel like a lot of things start, or someone was bored. Like, you know some, like, farm boy was bored. It was just like, hey, watch me do this thing. So, what's an alternative? You don't want to break with tradition. You could do a mock bull run. So, there used to be... There, well, in some places there still are, which was a fire bowl where they put balls of flammable materials on the horns, but they replaced the bowl with a runner carrying an open flame where spy- fireworks are placed in dodgers, normally children. So it's like, oh, we're going to have the children run. So you have someone running behind them with like sparklers or something. So you don't want to get hit with the sparkler because it doesn't feel good. Right. Um, that seems better. Yeah. In 2008, Red Bull Racing had a version of Running of the Bulls event in Pamplona with Formula One cars chasing 500 runners through the actual route. So you're being chased by a car. Okay. (laughs) Which I'm like, okay, that could work, you know. Um, The Big Easy Roller Roller Girls Roller Derby team has performed an annual mock bull run in New Orleans since 2007. The team dresses up like bulls, skates after runners through the French quarters, which I'm like, this is kind of great. Yeah. In 2012, there were 1,400 runners with over 400 bulls from all over the country. And on top of that, Pamplona has started to initiate running events in June as well with a full marathon and a half marathon and a 10-kilometer road race that and uses the Enseiro route. So, like, there's alternatives if you, like, hey, like, Let's maybe not use bulls and like we can get them in another way. You're going to keep bullfighting like that is safer. And I'm sorry. I think the like the roller derby one sounds like fun. That does sound fun. I like that one. Because think about it. You could sign like the locals could be the bulls or you could have people sign up like and it would be so much more fun. But yes, that is the running of the bulls, the full history and interestingness of it. That is very interesting. I learned a lot. I'm, I was shocked to find out only 15 people died because you hear about people getting really seriously injured a lot. And Yeah, like I said, that's a surprisingly low death rate. Yeah, if, if you look at it, the past 10 years, there has been one death. And I think this, I would I'd give props to the city of Pamplona, really, for doing that. Because if you look at it, they're like, okay, medical attention nearby. So if you, like, say you get hurt, you're fine. You get seriously injured, we can get you to the hospital. Like, yeah. Oh, yes. Back to, I forgot. So back to the people I know who've done this. The one person I've talked to really seriously about it when it was going on was my teacher in Spain, Anshan. He's from Basque. The X was in there. It was weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. But he said he did it when he was younger. And now when he looks back at it, he goes, it is so dumb and it's so stupid and so dangerous to everyone, including the bulls. He goes, I don't understand why we still do it. And I'm like... Tradition, pretty much. It's crazy what we do for tradition, but I think now it's probably ending up being more tourists doing it, which seems worse, actually, in my mindset. Yeah. Because... You don't know the streets like they do have fencing off the side. So like there's gaps that you can get into. If, so if the bulls are coming, so you don't get hurt. But still. Yeah. And there's probably some unwritten rules amongst the locals about running the bulls. And maybe a tourist doesn't know those rules or the the nuances of those unspoken rules. So they get hurt more. That's what I'm that's just a theory that I have. Yeah, because I mean, most of the there's only one person from America who died, but most of the Spaniards who end up being killed are killed in the, it looks like the bull ring. So they probably made it there and they just didn't get to a location in time. Yeah. You know? So it seems like they, they safely ran the whole thing and they just yeah. couldn't get out. There. And there's a lot of cooperation among the people. I've seen videos of people getting near a wall or near a guardrail and a bunch of people will jump in and grab him and, and pull him to safety, which is pretty nice. That is the one good thing about watching is to see that, like, you're like, I have a little faith in humanity left. Yeah. That you're you're like, we're, we don't want to watch a man die in front of us. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. (laughs) 
<sighs> yeah, it was, we're only going to get darker, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but plug or plug away. <laughs> My name is Paul, and I am one of the hosts of the Varmints podcast, where we talk about animals. We don't talk about this stuff because it's a little off-brand, but we'll talk about... Uh, yeah, how animals work, and we'll talk about them in pop culture, and uh, we'll give you a little pub trivia, and it's a lot of fun. It's usually about 45 minutes, family-friendly, we don't curse, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I like I like making it, and people seem to like hearing it, so Varmint's Podcast. So next week, Paul will be back to talk about more animals, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, we're not gonna get lighter on this. It's- no, it doesn't, it doesn't get better. Bye! Bye! Hey, I thought I'd do something fun for my birthday month this year, and I would like you guys to play along. I would like you to do a tag with this podcast. So either share it with someone who's your best friend or someone you think would enjoy it. But I think that would be the best gift is you guys sharing the podcast. Maybe, you know, if you're stuck in the car for a couple hours, force your whole family to listen to a couple episodes. I don't know. Have fun with it. Also, if you do it, please tag me in any pictures because I would love to see all the friendship sharing podcast memories. Hey, my name's Paul and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we do a bunch of Hi, research this is on mouse. it. And I'm weaves. <laughs> we have the mouse. Oh, we don't and stop there. Podcast. We talk about that I'm animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not <laughs> She's that animal is a tasty dish. Cat lady. we <laughs> think it is. And we have a fun podcast where we talk about. It's exactly life, like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. <laughs> Except with more food jokes. Oh, I'm sorry. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at blazingcariboustudios.com Varmints! Varmints! Domesticity, we're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts and our Instagram is at the Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free. <laughs>